Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Robert Spencer, best-selling author and the director of Jihad Watch, and my goodness, there's so much to talk about today. Robert, welcome back. Always good to talk with you. Good to see you, Rob. I want to start off talking about the U.S. presence in Afghanistan. You know, it's so interesting, all the things that played out. We were there for so long. I think people have forgotten why we went in the first place, and then we'll get to this chaotic withdrawal. Well, the whole thing was a botch from start to finish, of course. Uh, I actually have just finished a book called Who Lost Afghanistan that will mm. be out in a little while, and it traces the failure of the whole thing. Uh, we went in to topple the Taliban and left with the Taliban back in power. That kind of encapsulates the failure. Then we brought over 124,000 refugees, most of whom were unvetted, and we don't even have any idea who they are or what they might be about. Even if they're not terrorists, then there are, they, they come from a place that has radically different cultural values. And we've already seen that in the arrests of several of them for sexual abuse of, of minors, spousal abuse, and so on. Yeah, this is what's so troubling. And I talked with our 5th District Congressman, Bob Good, about this, who went to try to tour to see what was going on. And he said, not only do we not know about these people, but there's almost no way that we could know about them because it's not like you have a paper trail or you have government records. I mean, you just kind of have to go off what they say, or is there biometric data that we're just not aware of? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there was actually a brisk sale in Kabul right before the fall of false identification papers. <sighs> and so these people are, many of them must be pretending to be people other than who they really are. There's just no way to tell who they are. The Taliban had broad popular support. So it's virtually certain you've brought some Taliban jihadis over and also some people who are going to cause trouble in the United States simply because they have such a very different view of how society ought to be ordered. This is a critical point, Robert, is that, and I think a lot of Americans are woefully ignorant of the fact that these are not people who necessarily love America or who could ever get along under the American system because it's contrary to their uh, religious political system that they're under, and we should talk about that so people understand what the dissonance is. Yeah, see, this is where it gets really difficult because we're told that it's Islamophobic or racist or mm -hmm. something to talk about these things honestly, but those are just words used to shut down honest debate about this. The fact is that in Afghanistan, half the girls by the time they're in second grade are married, and all the girls by third grade age above are married. And this is because... And not to third graders or second graders. No, to guys that are like 50 and 60, because this is the example of Muhammad, and he is the excellent example who is to be imitated. He married a, a six-year-old when he was 51, and so they do what he did. Now, you have somebody coming over here who has that kind of a worldview. He's not going to see anything wrong 
with what is a cent what we would classify as child sexual abuse. So if we're in that situation, how do we have a functioning society? In other words, in Charlottesville, Virginia, we have a group called International Neighbors, and, and they never mention any of this, but I don't even think they're aware of it. But it's got to be going on. Just because you leave the country doesn't mean you leave the mindset, right? Right. They're, they're bringing a, mi a mindset over here. And you're right. The people in Charlottesville almost certainly don't have any idea of that mindset because they've been taught for 20 years now that only right-wingers talk about that kind of stuff, and it's not really true, and that these are just ordinary folks. And they are ordinary people. I mean, human nature mm -hmm. is everywhere the same, but you're talking about people who have been indoctrinated into a worldview and an ideology that's radically different from our own, that also devalues women, that devalues non-Muslims, and does not consider that either one should have equal rights in society. You mentioned devaluing women, and that, that should be a flag to the left, to the political left who says, you know, we support women all over the world, we want to raise up women and so forth. And yet, again, it seems lost. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with anybody about this on the political left and said, well, how do you justify this or, or how do you not be concerned over this? Have you heard the conversation or had it? Yeah, absolutely, I have. And there, there's just so many ways to shut down debate in this issue. And the way that they deal with feminists is to say, you are engaging in the white savior complex. Mm. And it's basic, inherently racist of you to say that you should not have women wearing hijab and should not have women being subservient and not have women accepting being beaten and so on because that's all a white racist supremacist view, worldview. And we think, no, that's basic human rights that goes for everyone, but that's exactly what's being challenged among the leftists today. Robert, I'm wondering if you have any information. Uh, we, we talked briefly about the bungled withdrawal and leaving Afghanistan in the way that we did it. But there were reports initially that we were leaving not only Afghan allies, as they call them, behind, but Americans. I don't know what information you have on that. I haven't heard another word about it, at least officially, since then. There were reports that there were several hundred Americans. There were reports that there were a thousand Americans. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt that there was chaos and that there were Americans left behind because the whole withdrawal was botched. You know, we had the Bagram Air Base. Could have and should have gotten all the civilians to the Bagram Air Base and gotten them out and then gotten the military out from there. Everything cleanly handled, nobody hurt, no trouble. Instead, we first abandoned the Bagram Air Base, and then everybody's trying to get to the Kabul airport, and a lot of the American citizens could not. And then the Biden administration ignored them because it didn't want to even acknowledge the fact that they had bungled this thing so badly as to leave Americans there. What could we presume would be the fate of Americans who were left behind? Oh, well, they'll be tortured and killed. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, the, the Taliban considers the United States to be the enemy and that they defeated the enemy, and they're not going to stand for what they consider to be enemy combatants behind their lines. So as a nation at this point, um, it, it seems like we're doing nothing. Is there anything we can or should be doing that, that's practical, or we just lost out on that? Well, you know, in the old days, we might have conducted some sort of a daring uh aerial raid yeah. like the raid on Antibi or something yeah. and gotten them out. Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays, you know, I don't know that we even have the wherewithal to do that nationally. The military did this. They've bungled the withdrawal from Afghanistan because they were too busy concentrating on implementing the left's agenda and teaching the troops about critical race theory and all that and instead of formulating a coherent withdrawal strategy from Afghanistan. 
You mentioned the troops, and I've talked to other people who are uh, involved in this issue. John Guandolo is one who comes to mind, understanding the threat. But the word that I have from them is you can't even use the words that accurately describe uh, what's going on. They don't want to hear about Islam. They don't want to hear about jihad. So is that the case? And if so, how do we conduct a battle, I mean, certainly a war with us, without even admitting or talking about what is the threat? We can't, and that's why we're losing. In 2011, the Obama administration banned all mention of Islam and jihad from counter-terror training. And ever since then, the Countering Violent Extremism Program, which is the government's mm -hmm. counter-terrorism program, pretends that there's no jihad at all. And if you mention it, it's just a sign that you're an Islamophobic right-wing extremist, and you're the real problem. And so it's just a, a catastrophic wrongheadedness that's compounded by the Biden administration's political agenda to criminalize its opposition and to portray people who are just loyally dissenting as white supremacist terrorists. And so we're the real problem. If you talk about jihad, you're just identifying yourself as a, as a terrorist. Then we should talk about, not that I want to identify you as a terrorist. Oh, I it's far know. too late. But we should talk about jihad because people might hear the term, they might hear the term jihadi, but they don't know what it means because we're not allowed to talk about it. So let's get to some definitions. Well, jihad in Arabic means struggle, and there's as many struggles in Arabic as there are in English. It's a word that has all sorts of uses. But the primary meaning of jihad in Islamic theology is warfare against unbelievers in order to subjugate them under the hegemony of Islamic law and deny them basic rights so that they feel every day the pain of having rejected Allah and Muhammad and presumably eventually they'll get tired of it and become Muslim and many of them over history did so. I hear people saying when confronted with this information that's just the extremists. That does not represent the mainstream of Islam across the world or even in America. And how would you respond to that? Uh, unfortunately, we see from Pew Research Center surveys in various Muslim countries that there's broad support for this point of view all around the Islamic world. And unfortunately, there are while there are hundreds of millions of Muslims who are never going to lift a finger to wage jihad against us, they know that jihad is in the Islamic texts and teachings. So they're also not going to lift a finger against their jihadi brethren. Then we should also talk about the word sharia, because people may or may not have heard that term, but it's a very important concept to understand. Sharia is Islamic law. It's considered to be the law of Allah, the perfect and immutable law of Allah, mm -hmm. like the Ten Commandments in Judaism and Christianity. And the sharia, though, is much more extensive and covers every aspect of life. There's not a thing you can do as a human being that there aren't sharia laws for. And Sharia is also political and is a, is a means for governing the state. There are some Sharia countries in the world that govern by Sharia. Saudi Arabia and Iran are the most notable. Also Somalia, Sudan, and Pakistan for the most part, a few others. And we can see all of them are human rights basket cases because Sharia denies basic rights to women and non-Muslims. So in America, are there communities and areas where it seems to me I've heard that they, they attempted to institute some sort of Sharia into the courts and it was rebuffed at the time, but are there places that are actually pushing for that in America? Yeah, very much so, Rob. Uh, the areas where there are majority Muslim populations are growing and as they grow, there is increasing effort to implement various aspects of Sharia. It was actually 10 years ago now that some Christian preachers in Dearborn, Michigan were actually arrested just for talking to Muslims about Christianity, which is illegal under Sharia, but not illegal in American law. 
this was at a street festival. That's correct. I, I remember the pictures. So if we, if we look at this, and if we're going to have an honest conversation, Robert Spencer, um, if we have people who believe in Sharia law in America, is that compatible with the United States Constitution? And if the answer is no, what do we as a society do about that? The answer is no, and what we should do about it is make it very clear that Muslims are perfectly welcome to be here as long as they explicitly reject the aspects of Sharia that are incompatible with American law and understand that there's going to be none of that here. Uh, and so wife-beating, female genital mutilation, all these things have to be left at the door. And unfortunately, it's just the opposite, where cases that have been brought have actually been dismissed on the basis of religious freedom. And when religious freedom, it seems to me, conflicts with existing laws, then <clears throat> you really need to evaluate whether you're just going to allow it, because when you allow it, you're also allowing for something like jihad, which you could argue is also a matter of religious freedom. It seems to me we've lost our way in America, particularly when we get comments about 9-11. Some people did something, and uh, they don't even want to talk about that. It's almost disappeared from the media, even when the anniversary rolls around. So ultimately, what is the hope you see for America in this instance, or do you see any at all? Well, there's always hope. You know, uh, I'm from South Carolina, and the <laughs> state motto is Doom Spiro Spero, while I breathe, I hope. I love and it. And so I never, I'm never saying give up, but yeah. the situation we have to recognize is pretty severe because any kind of discussion about these issues is shut down as Islamophobic and hateful and so on, and you're not going to get anywhere that way. Whereas the adherents of Sharia are determined and knowledgeable and they know how to manipulate our system and manipulate the public discourse and press all the left's right bu all the left's buttons so that they do what they want and charge racism and so on and so that has to be ultimately confronted or we're going to have severe strife in this country Robert Spencer tell us two things one about and where we can get your new book and number two, where we can follow your work online. Yeah, I got the Critical Quran, which is a new translation and commentary on the Quran, because I found in working with the Quran for 30 years that no translation in English is good. They all are uh, misleading, they whitewash it, they try to cover it up with archaic English, various problems. And so this is a new, clear translation that's completely honest and also get, explains in the notes from Islamic sources where uh, terrorism comes from and all the rest of it and why there are so many of these problems connected with Islam. And we can reach you where online? At jihadwatch.org and jihadwatchrs on Twitter. I hope that people will take the time. It's such an important topic and you've always spoken out about it. Honestly, Robert Spencer, thanks for joining us on The Shilling Show Unleashed. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Rob. Thank you. That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time. <laughs>